Welcome to Mercy Fellowship. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, And here at Mercy Fellowship, we are saved by Jesus' work. We are changed by Jesus' grace, and we are living on Jesus' mission. And that means that we believe that we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ, who love God and who love people. And for 2022, we've kind of said, hey, our focus is for us to, as a church, to to be a people uh, who are rooted because Christ is in us, to be resolved because Christ is for us, and to be resting because we're in Christ. And so part of how we want to be deeply rooted in God's Word is our time together on Sundays, walking through uh, God's Word, through the good news of the Gospel, and uh, a lot of how we do that is preaching right through books of the Bible. And so if you've been with us for a while, either in person or online, you know that we've been in this book of Ecclesiastes in this series called Vapor, Finding Meaning Under the Sun, and today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And as we're, we're moving that direction, I, I want us to be thinking about the fact that this, this whole sermon, in some regards, has led up to this. Uh, we said that, that Ecclesiastes means the preacher. So this book is actually a sermon written by Solomon saying, hey, where is meaning going to be found under the sun? And that phrase simply means in creation and the world apart from God, distant from God. And there's been a lot of this book that's been, I think, maybe frustrating. It, it can get you angsty. It can lead you kind of emo and brooding, right? Um, and, and the problem with that is, is that believes that somehow we're going to find meaning apart from God who created us, apart from the God of all meaning, the God of all purpose. And instead, the, the thesis of Ecclesiastes isn't vapor, vanity, meaninglessness, but instead it's to turn to God. And recognize because he is the author of the story, because he's the captain of our souls, that because of who God is, everything we do in life matters. And so chapter 11, after 10 chapters of making the case for what life looks like under the sun, uh, Solomon's kind of starting to make that turn, and this is beginning his final pitch. And so if this was uh, a, an evangelist, this is a time where, where the organ starts playing and like, hey, the altar call's about to begin, right? If this is the timeshare, this is 90 minutes in and you're low blood sugar and you're like, fine, uh, I'll buy an apartment in Barbados, you know, right? You know, like he's trying to wear you down maybe a little bit after all that. Um, but really, I want you to maybe think about it this way, uh, right? After year, uh, a year or two of lockdowns and all sorts of different stuff, right? Everybody's binged something at this point on Netflix. And, and if, you've, if you've gone through like a, a big, deep drama, you know that it's not the last episode that ties everything up. It's the second to the last. It's that penultimate episode where it's like, wow, these storylines that we've been following for a while, they're starting to come to a head. And so that's what today is, kind of the the second to last episode in this series. And and so the the urgency starts to ramp up, and he's he's trying to say, hey, you know, I want you to have a call to action. I don't want us to to think that because, you know, there's a life that's divorced from God that that, that somehow he's so distant that that you should just disengage. And and because there's death, because, you know, uh, pleasure isn't ultimately meaningful, because of all these things, like, it's not to drive us to apathy, but instead it's to drive us uh, to zeal and even to, to action. And so last week we saw, hey, you know, part of living life under the sun is to flee from foolishness, 
Like, be diligent, be sensible. Well, this week, these verses are going to be way more about diving in and being bold. And so it's, it's kind of funny because uh, a guy pulled me aside in the hallway. He's like, oh, we're doing Ecclesiastes again? Like, like uh, we kind of covered everything, right? And I'm like, well, I mean, not the verses today. So here we are. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to start verses 1 and 2. It says this on this kind of call to action. It's called to be bold. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. And so if you're like, wait, I thought you said this was like a call to action. I thought you said this was the rallying cry. I thought you said this was be bold, and you lead with cast your bread upon the waters. Right? We all know what that means, right? We use cast our bread upon the waters all the time in daily conversation. Right? You know, you're hanging out with a buddy at the gym. Hey, man, how's life going? Oh, man, things are kind of rough right now. Hey, bro, cast your bread upon the waters. He's like, yeah, I feel that. That hits me right here. No, we need some explanation on this, right? Because uh, otherwise we kind of might think this is stop and smell the roses or, you know, you know toss your uh, bread out to the ducks. No, what this means, uh, the, the, a better translation rather than cast is to send. And it's saying engage your life with mission and purpose. And like, how does he get that? Bread was and is a symbolism in the Bible about your livelihood, about, about your very provision, about your sustenance, that which makes you full, that's what will get you through another day. And he's saying, hey, you might need to, to cast your livelihood, you might need to, to, to actually engage and send and live a life on mission and on purpose, and so this is actually an allusion to business and commerce. Right? If, you, if you stuck with us earlier, you want to go back, you can see Solomon was this guy that had amassed great wealth. And, and he had stuff from all over the world. And so what that meant for Solomon was that there was going to be ships that were going out on the sea, going on missions, being sent, being cast across the waters to go on journeys, to go on adventures, to, to, to go explore, but also with, with the hope of a reward. Like the reason Solomon's dining on saffron chicken is because he sent a boat to wherever saffron's from. So like, it's this idea that anything that is valuable is going to take a bit of risk and a bit of time. And that's really, really tough for us, right? Because uh, we've lived a long time now with Amazon Prime where it's two clicks, two days, I got whatever I need. Unless it's a supply chain issue, right? It's, uh, it's just, oh no, it's, it's a week now. How will I ever survive? No, for, for them it was, hey, I'm going to send this journey out. And I hope that it comes back with something valuable from a, another land, it, that, that you go on this adventure. And the challenge about going out on sea, right, is that it wasn't just smooth sailings, literally. Like, there were storms. There's, there's going to places where, oh, no, we went to this place, and actually there was hostility, not hospitality. Hey, we thought we were going to find this valuable thing to bring back, and, and we didn't, and it was disappointing, or, oh my gosh, we went for this purpose, but now we found this. And then we look back and say, oh, that's why we took the journey in the first place. We didn't even know that when we started. It's this idea that life under the sun is going to be a bit of an adventure where you experience anticipation and disappointment, resolution and excitement, celebration, 
So to cast upon the waters is to fully commit. And in the context of this sermon, he's saying, you should go all in. You should fully commit, not to life under the sun, but to the creator who's above the sun, the creator who made the sun. Like, throw your whole lot in with what God wants for your life. And we're going to see, well, is that, is that boring? Is that like, you know, does that mean like everything's going to go easy? And it's like, no, no, there is still a huge element of faith in this. That it, it's not just like, well, hey, cast your, your bread upon the waters, throw your lot in with God, and everything else after that's going to be super easy and comfortable. There's not even adventure in that. And maybe you're like, you know, some of my life has had a little too much adventure. Well, that's great because God is a safe harbor that we can go, that we can rest, that we can be protected. But if we're waiting to, to try to have that ultimate time of security, that ultimate time of safety now, we're not gonna find it under the sun. Because that day only comes in eternity. That day only comes when we're in the presence of Jesus. That day only comes um, when there's a new heavens and, and new earth. And so what he's saying here is your adventure might not immediately be successful. You might experience failure, but you're going to rely not even on your ability to navigate this adventure, but if we're all in with the Lord, we're gonna rely on his character that he's gonna see us through the journey, that he will bring us to a place of completion that he will um, walk with us in failures, that he'll be faithful with us in the valleys, and ultimately he will bring us home. And so in a sense, we have to be kind of comfortable to, to use a, a business buzzword to fail forward, to, to, to live in such a way that it's better to have failed and tried than to fail in trying to just not try, right? You know, what's the old adage? Better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. And you know, I mean, sometimes. But what keeps us from this is we do have a deep fear of failure, right? We, we love comfort, we love what's safe, we love what we know, and we're really scared of what we don't. And, and sometimes when we're really protective of our lives, and I, I just want things to be the way I want them to be. I want them to be safe. I want them to, um, you know, I'm gonna just distance myself from the rest of the world. I'm just gonna kind of hold up. I'm just gonna wait. I'm not gonna risk anything better. Jesus says at a certain point, if you love your life so much that you're not willing to have even what, what you might consider a risk in following Jesus, right? You know, you, you hold on to your life so much. You love it so much in the world you end up losing your soul, he says. And so there's, there's an aspect of this kind of nature of, of faith and risk, of, of relying on God's faithfulness, but also recognizing that the journey's gonna be a, a bit difficult, but ultimately and eternally it will be rewarding. Like, that's the promise. I mean, like, you, you know, when, when Solomon says, hey, cast your bread upon the waters and the ships go out, they have no promise that anything's gonna be fruitful. We have the benefit of all of God's word that has great promises that talk about the fruitfulness. At times, not in this life. At times in this life. But promises for eternity. Promises for life and sustenance and joy and beauty with God forever. So whatever we're risking now, we know where the destination ends. 
But that's challenging, right? Because we, we dive in and we start to look at what God has for our life. And, and there is this call, even in these verses, in verse one, to be patient because he says the ultimate reward won't be until that last phrase, after many days. Yes, go all in. Let's get fired up. Let's go. But, but, but we ain't sprinting, right? There's, there's a place for patience, there's a place as well that when we say, hey, we want you to be all in with God, like Solomon's saying, hey, throw all your eggs in the basket in faith in the Lord, that practically speaking, it ends up leading to a much more diversified life. Right? If you're an investor, right, a very diversified portfolio, right? You don't want to just go all in, you know, on one company. If you're like, yeah, in 2020, I, I just invested everything in, in restaurants, Right? You had a bad year. But he's saying, like, no, no, you're going to go along with the Lord. But how that practically functions in your daily life is actually going to be way more diversified, way more, like, to borrow a word from, like, a high school guidance counselor, like, well-rounded, right? To invest in different areas of your life. One of my kids was pretty fired up a couple weeks ago because they were like, okay, well, this morning I, I read my Bible and then I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get educated. And we're like, ah, oh, maybe, um, right? You know, and then, you know, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to go for a run. And I'm going to hang out with my friends. Uh, and then I'm going to watch a movie. And it's like, and that's going to be a great day. And there's some of it like, kind of like, like Emmett from the Lego movie. Like, I'm all pumped up, right? And you're like, but the, the awesome part of that is that's a great day. Spending time with the Lord and God's word doing my daily responsibilities and engaging where, where, you know, I know that's where God's called me to at that moment. Doing something physical, enjoying some good food, enjoying some good company, enjoying some entertainment. Right? That's, that's a joyful life. That's a well-rounded life. What happens, though, is getting back to earlier in Ecclesiastes, right? When we start to put all of our eggs in one basket, that's not the Lord, but it's like, you know what? No, no, I'm gonna find all my hope and joy in my family. I'm raising my kids. Well, if they don't turn out the way you thought, or your relationship later isn't what you thought it was going to be, then there's some pretty serious disillusionment. Or you, you went all in on, on your marriage as, as the number one relationship, but not, not with the Lord, but like, like with this, and then, and then that goes away, now what? Or I'm all in on my job, and as long as I'm producing there, it doesn't matter if I have friends, it doesn't matter if I have relationships, it doesn't matter if I have, have a legacy with kids, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever. Or you're like, no, no, I don't do that, I'm not a workaholic. But I've got so many hobbies. I mean, I can't, I can't commit like one Sunday a month to like serve. Right? Or you go all in. And, and, and this might not apply to, to most of us, right? But when, when you're in full-time ministry... And you better have a, a rooted relationship with your spouse. You better love your kids. You better have some hobbies. You better have relationships outside of the church. You better have other things that you're engaged with because otherwise, it's just, it's just following the path of whatever's happening at the church at that moment. Because sometimes we mistake the church for God. Now, don't like, don't like not show up next week. Be like, well, anyway, you know, we don't have to gather anymore, right? Like, like this is part of it. But when we go all in in one area, when that goes away, it leads us to disillusionment, to despair. And, and, and I, I just want you to hear this clearly. God doesn't want us to be one-dimensional. Yes, we're all in with faith in God as the creator. 
But God placed us in a time and place and space. God placed us with our jobs. He, he, he put us in relationships. He meant for us to be holistic people. If, if all we were meant to do was to, to just, just pray and read our Bibles, and, and I, please, pray and read your Bibles. But if that's it, I mean, he would just make us disembodied souls that just like had God's word in our brain. But instead he put us in a body. He says, eat. He said like, I mean, gosh, this last week, Pacific Northwest was just showing off, right? Every sunrise and every sunset was like, bam. It's like, oh yeah, I like living here. And then there's today, right? Not, not so much. He made us to enjoy beauty. He made us to enjoy relationships. He made us to invest in our communities and in our jobs and the endeavors that he has for us. And so the answer is not to dial down our passion and zeal, but to direct it in God-honoring ways. That's what he's saying. Because if you only have it all in on one thing, when that goes, good luck having joy. Enjoy what you can while you can. And we'll we'll get into that in a second because that might sound like eat, drink, for tomorrow you die, but that's not what Ecclesiastes is saying. He is saying if you have time and energy and giftings, engage in a variety of investments uh, in your life. Dive in, don't hold back. And he's like, and there's a reason to have some urgency. And he says here, because life is short and life is unpredictable. So, like, I mean, the ongoing saga of, of how well I walk with my knee, uh, that I, you know, it's like I haven't been able to run as much over the last several months. And it has, it has hurt my soul. Like, I just, I don't like not getting to do it. But I had a friend of mine in my running club years before that she had a pretty significant injury. And, and it's funny because I, at that time I told her, well, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is God telling you, like, you're kind of all in on running and, and there's other areas of your life that you should be engaging with as well. And I was like, well, that applied to her. That doesn't apply to me now, right? And I was like, oh, no, that had to ring in. Like, there's other things I've had to do. There's other relationships, there's other ways I can spend my time in doing that. And and you have to still enjoy life as it's happening because you can't just wait for tomorrow or someday, right? Someday's that magical day where everything happens. Um, There are things that, uh, goals that I had in my 30s that I thought maybe I'd do in my 40s. And finally, a guy in his late 30s said, hey, bro, just do it now because you don't know how well your knee's going to hold up, because you don't know how well your back's going to hold up. And it's like, I'm so thankful for some of the things I have gotten to do, hikes I've been able to take and triathlons I've been able to do, because I said, yeah, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to do that now. I'm not going to wait. Because I, I know, like, you know, 40's going to go to 50, go to 70, go to 90, right? <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? That's what we hope. I think right now, if everybody got 90, we're like, yeah, I'd sign on for that. But he says, no, no, pursue them with vigor because you don't know what's going to happen later. You don't know what's going to dull your enthusiasm. You don't know when your focus is going to get pulled a a different way. And and that leads us into verses three and four. I've called this section, don't wait for a sunny day. Verses three and four say, if the clouds are full of rain and they empty themselves on the earth, if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. And and so this sounds, again, kind of philosophical, right? Like, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make any sound? But what he's he's saying here is it's a little more intense. 
yeah, the, the world's a bit broken. Storms do come. There is sin in the world. There's aspects that are difficult and dangerous. And, and God is, is he's redeeming his creation. We can have great hope that God's will for creation and for us is relentless. So no matter how like, broken the world seems, we know the story ends well. That God's love and, and redemption for the world is relentless. And so we can experience this world at times like a mounting storm, right? You can, you can see the clouds building. You can see the, the, the wind coming. And, and any of us that can see storms on the horizon, we might be able to see them, but have you ever been powerless to stop that storm? Right? The, I've heard of one guy that could stop a storm, and that was Jesus, right? He's on the boat with his disciples, and they wake him up in the middle of the storm, and he's like, stop a storm. He might have gone back to bed after that. I don't know. Jesus can command the storm, but we're going to be in the storm. He's saying, so those storm clouds might come, so you can't just wait for all the circumstances to be perfect. And, And... we do this in so many different life stages, particularly younger people. Uh, I'm not singling you out, but there's this like, oh yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to get married or, or or start a family or get into a relationship because I'm just doing school now. Hey, that's great. That's fine. Like, well, I, I don't. You know, we're we're married, but we don't want to have kids until we have this much in savings. Good luck ever having enough in savings to pay for all of what the kids are going to need. Right? There's there's never going to be the right time the right circumstances that where everything goes smoothly because he's like, no, no, I told you, ca- cast your bread upon the waters. I told you, go commit to going on the journey because part of the journey's worth it. That it's not always gonna go smoothly or perfectly. The difficulties are gonna come that we can't stop. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's okay at certain points to be like, yeah, this is not the time to go into a bunch of debt and, you know, you know uh, buy another house. So this isn't the time to, you know, do what, like, that's fine. Like, be wise. I think we've had some chapters of wisdom here. But to borrow another business buzzword, you can have paralysis of analysis. We're like, well, what's happening here? How's the stock market here? How are the case numbers here? What's going on here? How's this election going to go here? When, when do I live my life? Today. You live your life today. Lord willing, you get to live it tomorrow. And so this is his, you know, this is what I said. This is him saying, be bold. Like, like it's time to go. And, and the challenge is we're so risk averse that we fail to act, particularly on these big life changes. And all I can say about that is that I've never found procrastination to be profitable. Right? You, you've never like, like watched a biography on like a you know great business leader or a great athlete or a great leader or a great you know musician or anything like hey how, how man what an awesome accomplishment or what a what an interesting life you've gotten to lead like what was your core value procrastination just waited and didn't do anything no there was a bit of like yeah I grabbed the bull by the horns and I went and I and I charged the hill and. and I want to be clear, like, we don't charge every hill, right? Like, that can get exhausting. But not knowing what's next is not an excuse to sit back and do nothing. There will never be a time in your life where everything is certain. And so all you can do is walk in faith, pray seeking God's will, seek wisdom and good counsel from those around you, make the best decision you can with the information you got, but move. 
but live. Go on the adventure. Knowing there's going to be good days with it, but endless deliberation is not a place where you're going to find joy. You find it getting to work in the here and now while also, yeah, I mean, keep your eyes on the horizon. See what's going on. But, I mean, there's so many things that seem uncertain in our world that, you know, man, is, is, are these people going to move away? Are we going to move away? Like, is, is, you know, what's going to happen next? You know, when's the next variant coming? How's the next election going to go? Like, we don't know. God knows. And God's allowed us to be in this place and this time and this space. So this means this is where we're supposed to be. And so we live. And we invest. And we keep our eyes on the Lord, right? You fix your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And we get to engage and enjoy the things of this earth. All right, next verses. Called these ones Unsolved Miracles because Unsolved Mysteries was a, a TV show that scared the garbage out of me when I was a kid. Um, verses five and six say this. As you do not know the way, the spirit comes into the bones of the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. And so I, I call this um, unsolved miracles because it's like, hey, there's this aspect of life in this adventure and in this journey where, where God says, hey, there's gonna be some things that are mysterious, right? I mean, like, we love science, you know, we want to explore God's creation. We want to understand how things work. These are awesome and fantastic things. But there are so many simple yet profound miracles that happen all the time. And we have no idea why. We have no idea how. It's like, I mean, the, the progress in my lifetime of what we know about how babies develop in the womb is amazing. The imaging, the understanding of how life begins, and yet there's still part of it like, we don't know. We know there's life there, but we don't know how. Like, do you ever really know or really think, like, this is how and why I breathe? This is why it keeps going. How much actual control do you have over your heart rate? Relatively little. Certainly, if it stops, you don't have a lot of power to make it start again. And so there's just these mysteries of life, these miracles of life that, it, that God has just put the world into this, um, into order. He's made it all good. He's made it amazing. And there's just things we're not going to understand that we can't explain. And so that allows us the opportunity to have a faithful and faith-fueled life that, that needs to be comfortable with a little bit of mystery. Again, this gets back to the, like, hey, you can't be certain on all the things. There's just going to be aspects of your life. Like, it is more than okay as a parent, as a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher, as a, just a person, like, say, why did this happen? What's going to happen next year? How does this work? Like, I think it's a, it's a place of humility to say, I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know... What, what, what the next paragraph of the story is. But I know how the story ends. And it's okay to want to 
dig deep into that story. Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, also wrote a lot of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 25, 2, he says, it is the glory of God to conceal things. But it's the glory of kings to search things out. So yeah, go ahead and explore, right? Faith in God doesn't mean that there's no difficulty. It doesn't mean like, just have blind faith. Who cares how it all shakes out? But it's a call to dive in and experience this adventure that we've been talking about that doesn't just lead to like sunshiny blind optimism. Like this is going to be great. Like every part of the ride is going to be rad. But no, it believes that we're not always going to have the answers to life's questions. But that doesn't keep us from proceeding boldly. Not recklessly. But that shouldn't keep us from being bold. It should empower us to continue living on that, that our faith grow in the mystery of God who, who makes, and this is what I love that. Look back again at verse five. The work of God who makes everything. So that is, that's a present tense verb, right? The God who makes everything. That's not, well, he made it. And you know, right? We said the set it and forget it with the Instapot. No, no, God's still active. Like God is, is, is still at work in engaging with his creation. God is involved in the story of your life today. Like, read the promises in the Bible that say he knew you from before the foundation of the world and know that he's with you presently here today. And then have great hope knowing that he's promised you eternity in Christ Jesus. So live. So go, be be bold. Like, it's, it's okay to, to not know the story. Like, like, faith doesn't solve every mystery. But it does trust the author of the story. And that's how we're called to live. Trusting the author of the story, not trying to have every mystery solved. He's the author. And what's interesting about this, I think, is that at times... Like, no, no, I don't want the mystery, I want the certainty. Like, you ever watched like a, like a good mystery movie? Like, man, there's a twist and turn I didn't see there. Like, I didn't know how that guy fit in. Like, I didn't know what happened here. Oh my gosh, wait, there wasn't even a murder? Like, you know, like whatever it was, right? You, you, you watch a good mystery, and when it's all resolved, you're like, oh my gosh, that was an amazing story. And, and I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe I'll watch it again, because then I can pick up the clues. That's, that's fine, review the story but the tension's removed. The adventure's removed. You're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we know the maid did it. Okay. Well, that, I mean, it, it takes away some of, the, some of the actual experience of the story. And so God says, hey, there's gonna be aspects of life that for you are gonna be mysterious. But that shouldn't be a cause for great fear. It should be a cause for greater faith in the author of the story that God has still called us to fully engage with the life that we have here. Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 20. See, I feel like if the lights go off, it's like if they all go off at once and then like it ends and there's like a dead body in the middle, we're like, who did it? I don't know. Yeah, that's not gonna happen, okay? We, we did not, like, you did not get invited to a murder mystery story that you didn't sign up for, okay? Right, imagine showing up to a party at somebody's house, you're like, guess what? It's a murder mystery party. I'm like, oh, great. Okay, sorry. If you like, that's your jam, that's awesome. Just, just don't make me wear a costume and don't make me pretend to be a butler. Okay. See, that's why I don't get invited to parties. All right, let's go. Colossians 3.23 and 24 says this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
Knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So right here, in the midst of adventure, it says, hey, go work, put effort in, like engage where you're supposed to, have the promise of an inheritance, and know that as you're on this journey, the king has sent you on this journey, that you are serving King Jesus. And that means you don't have to worry that, yeah, there's going to be danger on it, there's going to be times that are scary, but you know it ends with an inheritance. You know what ends, what we said a couple weeks ago, right? You will die one day, but you get to live all others. Living all those days before that day of death and living all the days after in eternity. Like, let's get, let's get our minds a little bit off the temporary at times and start focusing on the transcendent. That there actually is a promised eternity with God. That doesn't mean we check out of this world. No, we engage, we build, we invest. But we rest because we know that we have an eternity with God. That God is the captain of our souls. And so if we don't have all the details worked out, that's fine. We just get to trust the one who does. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for how we enjoy the days that we have here under the sun Verses 7 through 10 talk about it, and then we'll close things out. It says this. 7 through 10 says this. Light is sweet and is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them. All of them? All of them. Let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity or vapor or hard to grasp. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let not your heart cheer you in the days, sorry, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. For you know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. You're like, wait, I thought this was supposed to end well. It will, don't worry. But I, I, I believe that these verses and, and what the Bible teaches is really a call for us in this life here and now to have what I want to call a bridled joy. And I say bridled joy because like, we're not supposed to just be wild horses. Right? He does say, he's like, every thought that you have, everything that's in your soul, every action you've taken, he's like, there's judgment. Like, that's part of life with God. That's part of understanding who God is. That there is a time, it's appointed a man once to die, and then judgment. God knows everything you've thought, everything you've done, all of your actions and attitudes. And so, it's not a call to just, you do you, go live your life, hopefully you don't harm too many other people. No, it's, it's not, we're not wild horses, We're bridled horses, that we get amazing freedom and joy and passion and power living within the good boundaries that God has set for our lives, that God's boundaries for us and limits for us are actually a kindness to us, to live, to explore, to enjoy within where God says this is where joy will be found. And the Bible begins, right, with with God placing his people in the garden. 
enjoy, invest, love, multiply, cultivate, build cities, build cultures. Here's a limit. And we're like, no, 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 we want to live limitless. We want to live with no limits. And that put us outside of the favor that God has given those people. And that's part of sin. Right? We rejected God's limits. And that leads us not into greater flourishing, but into a place of wilderness. To a place where, again, we're under the sun, we're separated from the Lord. And, and that's infected and impacted all aspects of life, right? That's why there's aspects of life that are just hard and harsh. And, and if you've been with us in Ecclesiastes, you're like, yeah, every week, gosh, it seems like there's just some, some hard, some harsh, some, some difficulty. And so how do we live? And throughout this book, it's talked a lot about just simple pleasures in life, right? Enjoying your spouse, enjoying some good food, and I think part of us starts to get God wrong in this kind of wilderness world that we live in. And so we think like, okay, what's the, why do we enjoy things? Well, life here is so terrible. The world's so sinful and so broken. So like, you know, a little bit of good food, a little bit of good drink. And it's just, it, all the good things in life are just to be meds to dull the pain. And we forget the purpose of creation from the beginning. For God to display his glory and for us to enjoy him. And so like, all the good food, all the sunsets, all the you know, time with your spouse, all the, like, all the good, enjoyable things in life were God's idea. Before sin. God wasn't like, uh-oh, there's sin. Better give them wine and a steak. Hope they can make it through. He's like, no. I made this world, I made it good, I made it for you to enjoy everything that is good from God is given to us to enjoy. Yes, at times in the midst of suffering, but also just to enjoy. Like, that's some of the outcome of this, that's some of the, 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 the direction in this. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Light is sweet. Verse 7 says light is sweet. And he's talking about light because light in the Bible uh, refers to blessing and joy and comfort and warmth. And he's contrasting that with darkness in the Bible that is, that is distant and cold and pain and sorrow and toil. And he's saying, hey, don't live there. He said, live in light of the joy of experiencing the good things that God has for us. To see the sun, to see the creator of the sun, is to know and experience the source of all, the source of all joy and blessing and comfort. Not just to live, but to live joyfully. And I think we can, we can read that and we're like, okay, I mean, that sounds good, but he's saying, no, no, life itself is pleasant. So all the years of your life, you're like, all of them are like, man, I can count some years that I was like, no, not that year. Don't want to live that year over again. Don't want to live that other year over again. But if I really drilled down, even in the times of great sorrow, great brokenness, great fear, oh, there was a good day. There was a good meal. There was a good laugh. Oh, there, was a good, there was a good run. There was, oh, there was a good sunset. 
like, oh, wow, even in the midst of that, there's so many things that God has given for us to, the, to enjoy. So, yeah, life is going to be unpredictable. But he, he says, have your eyes open to see what's going on. To taste and see that, yes, the Lord is good and also what he's given you is good. And see, having life, he says, is good. And there are aspects and times that our lives should be savored like a good meal and, and not like, well, just chomping down on a dry brick of trop, top ramen. Like, can that sustain you? I mean, maybe. I really, you shouldn't try, right? At least put in some water first, right? But like, yeah, I'm sure there's some nutrients in there. But he's saying, no, most of your life, I want you to, I want you to smell. I want you to savor. I want you to look around. Wow, the kids being this age, that's a good age. And that's a good age. And that's a good age. And not get hung up on always what was. I mean, yes, enjoy and reflect, but also experience what is and what is happening now. Verse 8 reminds us that, that part of why we enjoy life on this earth is now is because he says it won't be experienced in the rear view. I mean, like, social media is great at times because you can, like, go back and you can see your memories and you can see, man, that was a good day because nobody posted like that was a bad day, right? But it's in the rear view. It's not today. It won't happen tomorrow. So we're called to live in the here and now. As we said, not living in the shadow of death, but living in light of it. That there is a time coming because of our hard hearts that it just, we resist God and and. It, it robs us of lasting joy. And, and God says in the gospel that it's, it's good for him to perform heart surgery for us, to remove hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh that beat for him. That's what we believe that the Holy Spirit does when you have faith in Jesus. Like if you came in today and you're like, I don't know Jesus, or you, or you came in today and you do know Jesus, or you're like, I love Jesus, or I love the gospel, I love the God of the Bible, like that is because the Holy Spirit came in and did heart surgery on you and removed that heart of stone that, that only sees what is terrible under the sun, and it replaces it with a heart of flesh that beats for the one who created the sun. And we're given new life through, through repentance of sin, through faith in Jesus do we pursue our heart's desires as they line up with God's desires? That there's such great freedom with God. Philippians 4.9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Man, I love that because in the New Testament, Paul's writing to a church of people that find themselves in a very godless world. And there's so much to, for them to focus, to lead them to despair and discouragement. He's like, no, keep your eyes on what is amazing. Where you find joy in the Lord. We get to have freedom with the Lord. That he's called us to live these these bridled lives. And he says at the end of these verses, right, take the pain away from your body. What I think he's saying there is that at times we, we think we can, we're talking about this in our community group, like you don't have to be a hero all the time. There's enough difficulty in life 
that you don't need to unnecessarily take the difficult road. Yes, there's times for sacrifice. Yes, we have responsibilities. Honor those. But there's no like extra heaven points for like, hey, you could have just gone this way, but instead you went the hard way just, just because. He's saying, no, there's, there's times where you're going to need to just exhale to remove that vexation from your heart to put pain away from your body but then it ends with just the youth and the dawn of life or vanity and you're like where's the good news and that's because we get to preach a different sermon than Solomon did because Solomon's writing several hundred years before Jesus that the best Solomon can come up with with all the wisdom of God that he has been given It's like if you're just trying to find wisdom, it's not going to be good enough. If you're just trying to enjoy your youth, it's not going to be good enough. The answer for your sustained joy, no matter what the circumstances are, and for your secured eternity, isn't in your pursuits. It's in the fact that Jesus Christ has pursued you. The answer is Jesus, who's the substitute for us. And, and yeah, there's verses in here uh, that are talking about God's judgment. And you're like, man, I just, I want good news. I already, I already feel condemned. I already know what I've done. I already know where my sin and brokenness is. And see, if we only stop in Ecclesiastes, and that judgment will crush us. Because we will feel condemnation for our sin. When Romans says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the answer is Jesus. And so when you, when you think about shame, when you think about what you've done or what's been done to you, when you think about your sin, when you think about the ways you've failed, when you think about the ways you haven't measured up, and then when you think about something as difficult as God's judgment, God's righteousness, God's God's wrath? Then you look your eyes to the cross. And every single time you think about judgment and you think about wrath and you think about sin, you look at the cross of Jesus Christ and then think about mercy. Think about grace. Think about final restoration. Because that is the path that God has for us when we're in Jesus. And so, we're not going to get to have a big feast here today, but we are, if, if you're in Christ, if your hope is in Jesus, we, we invite you, as we're singing, to, to stand and sing, right? Yeah, get your kids from Mercy Kids, but, but to come forward and take a moment to think about all of your thoughts, all of your actions, all your attitudes, and, and, and yes, the wrath and even the judgment of God. And visit there. But know that you don't live there. Because Jesus Christ died for you on the cross to pay that debt. To wash you clean of your sin. And then take that small meal of bread representing his body broken for you. And and the cup representing his blood shed for you. And exhale. And receive joy knowing his mercy is more, his grace is more, and your forever tomorrow 
is greater than whatever you've done today or yesterday. So, in Jesus' resurrection, because the Son of God has risen, we don't have to worry about the, the dawn of youth because some of us are way past that dawn. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, there's a, there's a new dawn. And we live in light of that Son who's been risen. And we get to live with joy and with purpose as we continue to trust Jesus. Let's pray.